Nation Nail Salon and Grocery Store. Wait, she's at the nail salon and the grocery store? I'm at the Combination Nail Salon and Grocery Store. Groceries through Instacart, delivered to my door. I don't have to choose between acrylics and the grocery store. Hey everybody, before we start the show this week, I want to give a special one year anniversary, happy anniversary to Don't Go Down This Road podcast. John and Rachel, uh, I know you had me over there with my little clip telling me how wonderful you guys were, and I wanted to also say how I appreciated everything you guys had to say about my podcast uh, over there on Don't Go Down That Road. So really appreciate it. Happy one year anniversary. If you guys have not listened to the podcast, please do. Uh, you will be infected by Rachel's laugh uh, from first listen. Very informative, very fun uh, little podcast that they've got going on over there. Without further ado, let's go ahead and get on to the episode. It's time to turn out the lights, grab some popcorn, and watch some horrible horror movies. This is the Terrible Terror Podcast. Each episode, I delve into the world of terrible horror movies. Why do I do it? Well, I can't really explain it, but I love these horrible films. If you've made a horror movie on your phone or made your own special effects MacGyver style, please send it my way. Now, what do you get when you mix a genetic monster, motherhood, and a Woody Allen situation? Why you get the 2009 sci-fi film, Splice. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another wonderful episode of the Terrible Terror Podcast. Yes, the film I said I would never watch again. I said that at the end of the last episode, and honestly, it was pretty true for the time, right? I really tried to stay away from this film as much as I could. And maybe it was because I truly didn't understand a lot of it when I first saw it. And maybe because there were some awkward situations that... uh, happen to pop up when you're sitting there next to your wife uh, and all of a sudden you're looking at the screen and then you're looking at her and then you're looking at the screen and you're like, what the hell did I drag you to? Uh, I'm so, so sorry. I mean, it's not as bad as the species thing, right? I think that's even worse. You know, the story for me was that I went to see that with my parents, uh, not knowing that there was going to be so much Natasha Henstridge freaking boob out everywhere. So this, while not so bad, it just, 
it has those awkward moments in, in there. And there's a lot, especially when you're going through, say, a relatively new marriage like I was at that point, uh, that maybe you don't want to think about those themes right away. And you want to kind of just enjoy this to be a horror movie. At least you think it's a horror movie. And it's definitely more of a sci-fi movie. I would probably put that in that area of sci-fi horror that's not really horror, but it has to get that tagline because there's a monster in it. Uh, and it's just kind of an interesting film. Off the bat, uh, I am going to say with some of the clips, I did shorten the silent moments that were in it, so they may seem a little fast in terms of the way the pacing is for a couple of the clips. But mind you, too, people talk really fucking fast in this movie. The only person that seems to be like a regular speed talker really is... Adrian Brody, of all people, even though at times he can be kind of slow, but then when he gets emotive, he can be a little bit faster, but it's like, oh, hey, you know how to act, Uh, (laughs) for the most part, but a lot of the other characters, they seem to deliver their lines, like, really, really fast, especially the guy that plays Bill, and, you know, the person that plays Elsa, she really kind of either rushes through some of her scenes, and you'll hear it in the dialogue uh, as we go along with all the clips that get played. Uh, but, honestly, it's it's quite disturbing, like, how long this film is and how rushed it does seem like some of those scenes are. Maybe the only other person in this film that really kind of... Well, I think she's way too slow, is the person that plays Simona, and that's Joan uh, Charot. If I'm pronouncing that wrong, I'm sorry, Uh, this is the first time that I'm kind of looking at your name. So, she, you know, can be very slow in her delivery, but then some of the times it sounds pretty good. And she's only in it for really three big scenes in the film, I believe, and you could technically count it four, but... It starts with her, it goes to them, and then goes back to her in another little section. So maybe we'll count it for. You can argue with me all you want, but whatever. So, what is it about this film? What is it that I didn't enjoy the first time that I saw it? Um, I think it really comes down to some bigger picture things with the way that certain characters, like their backstories, kind of explained. And again, we're going to get into it, but I just kind of wanted to go at this film with this thought in mind. Uh, It changes a lot based upon whether you've seen it or not. If you've never seen this film, uh, you know, I'll give you a recommendation at the end. And if you, you know, kind of, uh, well, you're listening to the podcast right now, right? So if you're going to listen all the way through without seeing the film, uh, it's still a fresh approach. But when you go back, I might suggest that you go back and watch his film. Um, I'm still debating that even at the time of the recording of this podcast to be like, and I'll give you a definite answer at the end. That's what we call a tease, folks. Uh, But um, you can have a different perspective of how you approach the film. Uh, because, you know, I've only seen it the one time before, and it's been on here and there, you know, maybe you're flipping around the channels, and, ooh, HBO has it, and, uh, maybe I'll sit and watch, now. was it, nope, nope, can't stand the film, and I really do understand, after watching it this second time, why I didn't like it the first time, and it's a lot about the perspective, uh, from the angle of things that you find out 
within the film, right? Uh, I also went out and read a couple different articles to try to understand things better. Uh, even when I had some of the same questions, like I knew what the outcome was, but I had some of the same questions uh, that I just didn't quite understand when I saw it. And so uh, at the end of everything, I'm going to refer to one uh, blog that I saw. And I don't agree ever with everything that's in that blog, but they presented an argument that I can see why uh, this like that argument or that projection onto this film works. And it's it does change a little of my view of the film, but then they lost me with the second half of the damn article. Like, I really wish they didn't go that route, but we'll talk about it a little bit towards the end of the film. So without further ado, how about we get into the film? And really, you're kind of thrown into a weird... Uh, introduction to the film itself like the title credit scene is actually really well done and really cool and you see it's all these different cells kind of melding together and forming new life and then you know you see splice and it's on weird thing of skin and it kind of really has that like horror feel to the way the title card's done because it's all like scars into skin where the word splice is written and it kind of gets you in the mood for okay this could be a very scary film turns out eh, it's not really i'm not really spoiling anything for anybody unless you haven't seen it but honestly this is definitely more of a sci-fi creature film than anything else and so from those credits we're brought into a really weird sequence where we're basically from the point of view of something being uh, birthed out of something else. Okay, okay, I can see him. That's it, here he comes. Careful. All right, I got him, I got him. Sensors. Vitals? Stable. Clamp. Scissors. Scissors. Severing umbilical. Umbilical cut. Okay, clear. Wait, dropping, dropping fast. BP's dropping fast. Respirations are slow, shallow, and irregular. Look who's sat down 82%. BP 80 over 30. He's in VTAC. Get the paddles. Get the paddles. Have some dopamine, please. Dopamine. I've got the paddles. Okay, everybody clear. All clear. Clear. Heart rate stable. It's alive! It's alive! Yeah, basically. So, they managed to, you know, get it to not die on the table. And we're introduced uh, to the characters of Clive and Elsa right at the beginning. Clive, of course, played by the great Adrian Brody. And then we have Elsa played by Sarah Polly. Uh, and so, she kind of looks, honestly, she reminds me of Gillian Anderson from some reason from this shot maybe i really just wanted it be jillian anderson uh but of course it's not and if you don't know who she is come on seriously seriously there's two things you should know her from two one was you know my one of my favorite childhood shows and one of them is a more recent show that got canceled a little while ago so uh anyway so then they pull this giant fucking like larva thing out and they put it on the table and that's when uh, they introduce this, uh, okay, straight up, these are fucking penis monsters, okay? They're not fucking larva. The tops of them look like dicks. And they happen to have the names of Fred and Ginger. See, Ginger was created earlier, and Fred is who you just saw get birthed out of 
whatever fucking thing they got birthed out of. And uh, Clive and Elsa here, they are like the genetic engineers of these two penis-shaped monsters. P-monsters, if you want, or P-9-monsters, or whatever you the fuck you want to call them, but seriously, those are dicks. They're fucking dicks just hanging out there, crawling around the ground, and I could have sworn that Ginger has tits. So that's a dick with tits staring right at you. And they put them both together, and they do this weird, like, love at first sight is what they say, uh, and, like, symbiotic, like, type of relationship where they bond with each other. They look like they're gonna attack each other, and some weird, like, tentacle things come out, and then they match together, and then, aw, look, the penises are in love. Aw, isn't that sweet? Ah, some people would wish that two dicks would fall in love with each other, and now you just got to see it on the screen. You should be happy now. From here, we kind of fade out, and then we get some more exposition of what Elsa and Clive have been doing for the last couple of years. Over the course of the last three years, our lab has combined the DNA from a variety of species to create a completely new life form. And, as you know, Ginger has exceeded all expectations in her ability to produce medicinal proteins for livestock. What you don't know is that since the birth of Fred... We have an upgraded splicing technique, which can be applied to the most sophisticated of organisms. Namely, human beings. Ooh, hold on. Let's, let's not get too far ahead of ourselves now. By incorporating human DNA into the hybrid template, we can begin to address any number of genetically influenced diseases. Parkinson's, Alzheimer's, diabetes, even some forms of cancer. Whoa, 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 whoa. Hold up, hold up. These penis monster things... They can help cure cancer? Dicks can cure cancer? Man. I am just fucking amazed now. I thought they were only good for one fucking thing. And after all, if they get genetically modified and engineered into whatever the fuck these things are, they can cure fucking cancer. I think that's fucking great. Thanks, Splice. I never knew this. So, of course, they're trying to impress the... I don't know if she's like the owner, the president, or whatever the fuck she is, of this research company they work for called, it's called NERD, okay? The Nucleic Exchange Research Development. Uh, what? That's, oh god, that's lazy fucking writing. How can we work NERD into this organization here? Oh, I know, we'll just uh, spell it all out for everybody, and then we'll highlight the letters in bright orange. Get it? It's called NERD. They're trying to convince Joan here that they can splice human DNA into their, I guess what they consider like veriforms or something, into their dick monsters, and basically uh, start to cure other things. And of course... She's not very uh, happy about it, and honestly, what she really wants to do is to advance them to what she calls Phase 2, which is basically money. So, Phase 1, dick monsters. Phase 2, profit. Well, at least they're going straight for it, not like those fucking underpants gnomes. They just fucking skip the middle step. They don't even know what the fuck it is. It's just... Then profit. At least from here, they know dick monsters profit. And of course, she tells them that, you know, if we don't get to phase two soon, we're just going to have to shut you down. We need to isolate the gene in ginger and Fred that produces your magic protein. We are shutting down the splicing facilities. 
Retooling your labs for intensive chemical analysis. You're shutting down? I, I don't understand. Uh, we're handing you the medical breakthrough of the century. We could begin Elsa, to... Elsa, we all know that can't happen right now. The moral outrage would be completely out of control. I mean, regulators and politicians, they, they tear us to pieces. So she's fucking upset that she can't play Dr. Frankenstein, make her Frankenstein's monster out of her dick monster and human DNA, and you don't realize where that's going to go later on in the film, but we'll discuss it when it happens. Uh, and, of course, this upsets both of them because they've spent their whole time trying to create these dick monsters and actually kind of get to the point where they can create a dick-human hybrid. But let alone, didn't you know, Adrian Brody's already there. He's a dick-human hybrid. He's a human with a dick. You don't need these little monsters to be the end-all, end-all. But, of course, they can produce some of the greatest medicines in the world, so maybe if you mix it with a human, maybe it'll be best for you. Who the fuck knows? So they go out into the hallway after this meeting, and, of course, they come to the decision that, you know what? Fuck it. Let's just do it. We could quit. Go to Hamilton Splinter. Newstead owns our patents. We'd lose everything. Well... I'm not spending the next five years digging through pig shit for enteric proteins. Me neither. All right, so they drive off in their... Is that a fucking gremlin? Really? That looks like a fucking gremlin. It could be, could not. Fuck if I know. They're just driving in a random small car. Could be a Geo Metro for all I fucking know. But this is 2009. And I don't know why you'd be driving either. So they go over to... Nerd. And decide to start working on implementing the human DNA. And mixing it with whatever they normally do to splice those dick monster things. Yes, I'm going to be saying dick monster a lot. I hope you appreciate that. Okay. So, (laughs) they do have one human donor. And, of course, you know, Clive wonders, who is it? What's the profile? Jane Doe. Anonymous female donor. Clean medical and heredity. The usual. Diamond dozen. One in a million. Okay, so don't use humans, but they're going to go ahead and use some human DNA. And who the fuck did that come from? Jane Doe, did they go rob a grave? Is this turning into Frankenstein, really? Or maybe it'll turn to young Frankenstein, and at least then I'll have some type of Gene Wilder madness. That would be great. Man, I can just imagine Gene Wilder being in this movie, it being really fucking funny, and very fucking enjoyable. Ah, man can dream. Anyway, so they do the whole scientific montage... You know, a montage of them going through and trying all different things. Oh, this doesn't work. It doesn't work. What are we doing wrong? Oh, I can't believe I can't. And then they decide at one point, oh, you know what? We need to change the music. That's right. Adrian Broden goes and says, you know what? We can't do it to this type of music. So he puts on like fucking what sounds like, uh, well, it's more jazz than smooth jazz. But it kind of reminds me of smooth jazz. So fuck it. It's smooth jazz. And that, of course, gets more of the juices flowing. And where did they miss something that they were doing before? And, of course, eventually they get to the point where something sticks. Not working. Wait a second. What's happening? Why, why now? I don't know, but they're on fire. <laughs> we got the right temperature and that enzyme. They're changing partners. 
everyone dances with everyone. You are Bob fucking Fosse. Mm. <laughs> so they have, it starts to basically uh, work within the different chromosomes there, right? With the X and Y chromosomes and blending like sperm does to your normal things. Well, basically, they're creating jizz, right? They're not really creating anything else. They're going to try to inject this in something else. But, of course, at this point, Adrian Brody, he's like, great, this is what we wanted to do. Okay, we're done with it. But Elsa, she has other plans. And she actually wants to inseminate a female egg. So she rushes the stuff with, like, goes down the hallway, locks out poor Clive... And then at the last minute, lets him in after she's basically started inseminating the egg. Elsa, seriously. This is what's known in couples therapy as emotional hijacking. Elsa? Come on, this is illegal. We're going to go to jail for this. Open the door. Human cloning is illegal. This won't be human, not entirely. What? It what are you be- doing? Relax. We won't take it to term. We just need to know if we can generate a sustainable embryo. Then we destroy it. No one will ever know. What's the point? What's the point if you can't publish? To be sure we really did it. To know for sure. You telling me you don't need to know? It's not so simple, is it? There are moral considerations. Millions of people are suffering and dying with no hope. We might be sitting on the key to saving them. What are the moral considerations of that? Okay, I kind of understand your situation here, right? You have something that you believe can cure everything. It's some type of magical elixir that you've created, but it needs to be grown in some weird type of beast or dick monster. And this human-dick monster hybrid that you've got growing or about to start growing could save everybody in the world. You could create these proteins that are going to be great for society, but at the same fucking time, what if it turns out to be a fucking monster? What if it turns out that it's going to fucking go off and kill a bunch of people and you're not going to be able to do anything about it? What if? So, of course, Clive gives in to Elsa and he allows the stupid sperm stuff that they created to be injected inside of a human egg. Well, it's weird because I think that it's... uh, I have a... Well, you could say that it's a, you know... It has to be donated from someone, right? It has to be, because they do in- inject it into what looks like, you know, a normal female egg, a uh, human egg. Uh, and then they combine the human DNA, I guess, to make sperm so that the human egg won't reject the sperm that they've done? Uh, fuck, I don't know. They put a bunch of, like, fucking science jargon in there. And this is the best that I can kind of come up with when we look at this situation. So so after they fertilize the egg, they go back home. And this is when you figure out that, hey, they're actually a couple. And you really hadn't had any signs of that before. And, of course, there's always turmoil. And this is one of the bigger points of the film that I'm going to play for you right here. And you got to remember this conversation for the rest of the film and this is them talking about uh and it's kind of silly because it's them talking about moving uh to a different location and then he's kind of in the mood to get something bigger well here i'll let them explain do you not do that don't do that what don't do that my zeppelin interpolation come on you don't like it Zeppelin crashed and burned before I was born. Check this out. 
near the distillery. I fucking love it. Yeah, it's cool. You don't sound that enthusiastic. I don't know. I just don't want to move again anytime soon. We've been here for seven years. No, I mean from that place. It just doesn't seem big enough. It's twice the size of this apartment. Hmm. More than enough room for all our stuff. But you know, for down the road. You are talking about a kid, aren't you? That's unreasonable. Yeah, because I'm the one who has to have it. Look, I, I love this place. I don't want to bend my life to suit some third party that doesn't even exist yet. Okay, first off, fuck you. Don't talk shit about Zeppelin, okay? You fucking respect the music. Oh, this day before it was born. Oh, fuck you. It's still fucking around, okay? Second, she doesn't want kids, okay? Uh, but yet she's willing to create those dick monsters and you not want to create life herself. It's kind of weird, right? And this really becomes like the, one of the main conflicts of the film, not just the moral choices of creating this Frankenstein monster thing that's going to be created that you know that's going to happen because hell, you saw it in the trailers, right? But the conflict that she doesn't really want to have kids you know, it's it's weird when you start getting in in the way that her attitude changes later on in the film. So Clive gets a phone call, and it's about Betty, whatever the fuck Betty is. But it turns out that whatever they have inside the incubator there, it's basically taking on too much pressure and could possibly burst and, well, kill their experiment. What's going on? It's coming out. What? Can't do that. It's not due for months. Well... Tell that to the fetus. Oh, God, it's huge. I thought you were keeping tabs. I was. It wasn't that big this morning. It's too much pressure. It'll kill it. So it's like some giant, big, black, nasty sack thing. And Elsa, she believes that she can relieve the pressure by sticking her hand in, and of course something grabs it and won't let go. It's the scene that you see in the trailer of the film. Uh... Then Clive, he goes and he basically busts open the chamber that's housing this big giant sack and begins to cut it open with a scalpel. Now he cuts it in with a scalpel and it starts leaking this like brown nasty liquid and it's all over the scalpel and he puts the damn scalpel in his mouth. Fucking disgusting. Why would you do that thing? And then all of a sudden something pops out that looks like a stomach with a goddamn tail. It's like... If a face hugger didn't have fucking legs, that's what it truly looks like. And here already between the between Ginger and Fred and whatever the hell this thing, the design for the monsters I think are just really ugly. Like they don't look good. I mean I guess you're kind of weird situation, you want to look kind of different and not really, you know, anthropomorphic it's more or less just like a big pile of goo or a dick sitting on the table and then this thing it's just it's not appealing i don't think that it should necessarily be appealing but it really kind of doesn't make any sense the way that it looks like if you see a picture of it uh let me know what you think because honestly it's just it's weird and i just i don't really like the creature designs in this film for everything leading up to i would say the more adult version of uh what we're going to learn to be um you know the creature in this film so he does manage to get it off of elsa 
and trap underneath a like a basket after or you know clear tub i guess you should say uh and then she all of a sudden starts seizuring like fucking crazy because i guess it was biting her arm uh which i don't really know if it has anything to do with anything but he stabs her with something and whatever it is that he stabs her with all of a sudden brings her out of the seizure and everything's fucking okay so they take the little weird thing and they move it into like an incubator and then put it into the other room They go home for the night, and in the middle of the night, Clive wakes up, and he begins thinking about that thing that attacked Elsa. He's wondering if it's in pain, because it's not really in an environment, and they really don't know what type of environment it should be in. And so he thinks that they should go over there, and they should kill it. Do you think it's in pain? It's not formed right. We don't know that. I'm gonna kill it. Wait. There's still a lot we can learn. We can find out how close we came. Something sustainable. It's okay. It's alright. Honestly, he has the right fucking idea. Just go off and kill the fucking thing, right? You you made something. It attacked your fucking girlfriend, wife, where the fuck she is. Your love interest of this film. And you have a right to determine that, hey, I don't want to play God with this fucking thing. Let's just fucking kill it and be done with it. And of course, she has some sort of relationship with it. Because they've made it and she really has that scientific interest in pursuing it and following it through, right? So, they go back over to the lab and, you know, you think the thing is going to go in there and just stab the living shit out of her. But, honestly, it uh, something has come out of it. Like, they think it's dead. But it's more like it was a cocoon. And then there's something really random in the room uh, after... Clive leaves uh, to go get something to basically, I think, dispose of the the cocoon thing that was there. Uh, And that leaves Elsa trapped alone inside the room with some random creature that you see kind of moving around the background really fast. There's a cool thing because she's in like a soundproof, like bulletproof glass type room. And he can't hear anything that she's saying and she keeps screaming at him to come and help her. Uh, But ultimately they do you know, you see what the creature is, and it kind of is staring her down. Now, again, this thing's fucking ugly. I just, I don't get it. Um, again, the creature design, I'm just not with in this film. I really can't be. And this thing's 100% CG. And for 2009, it's not terrible, but you can definitely see how it's imposed over the screen. Uh, and there's not a true type of interaction even with it when she's talking to it. So, of course, Clive, he wants to save her. She's wearing a gas mask, so he's like, I'm going to poison the whole thing. And, of course, she doesn't fucking listen. Shit. Get out of there. I'm going to gas it. Wait. Don't kill it. Elsa, get out, okay? I'm hitting the gas. <laughs> I'm not gonna hurt you. In three, two, one. Clive, I said don't. Fucking mask back on, Elsa. Listen to me, goddamn it! You never listen to me. Put your damn mask on. It's dangerous. So she approaches it, she tries to make friends with it, but she manages to get out of the room before it can do any more damage or do any damage to her. And in turn. You know, Clive still wants to kill it, but she decides that she has other ideas for it. Are you crazy? Huh? Are you trying to get yourself killed? I have the situation under control. Oh, you're under control? You're forgetting why we came here. You know what? We can't do that now. 
All right, look at it. What is that supposed to mean? Let's just knock it out with some ether. Find out what we've got. So she does fill the room with ether, and it completely knocks out the little creature. Uh, they realize that this thing's kind of growing at an exponential rate right now, and they decide to take it over into the next room, strap it down. It ain't got no arms, so it really ain't going to do anything. Maybe it's going to snap at you, but that's about it. Uh, and uh, what kind of weirds them out, though, is that they find that it's got this, like, gland on it, right? And it's kind of a self-defense mechanism uh, that none of the other animals that they've spliced together to make this thing actually have some kind of self-defense mechanism or attack venom none of our animal components have predatory characteristics well there's the human element so yeah the human element gives it a tail with like a spike thing on it and glands that can fucking poison shit you should just kill the fucking thing so then they further get into other arguments, as couples normally do, that splice together and create some type of genetic monster, about what they're really going to do with it. Whether they're going to kill it, whether they're going to keep it alive, how's it going to work out for them with their newfound thing, right? And so Elsa reasons with Clive and basically says, hey, it's growing up really fast, so it's probably going to die soon. Look. Fast. Yeah, it's aging fast. Days within a matter of minutes. You think it's the Abastoma gene? It might be. The point is, this thing's gonna die soon anyway. We're gonna get to observe its entire life cycle in compressed time. We'll never get an opportunity like this again. So it's dying. She's dying. All by herself. Okay, how the fuck do you know that that's a girl? Did you, like, look at it down there? Does it even have anything down there? I mean, you create, like, the penis monster things, and you happen to know how this one was a female and this was a male. I guess, if you have to think about it, they probably knew by whatever they were attaching the chromosomes to in the beginning when they were making, like, jizz solution to put into the egg. So they purposely were picking it to be female. And this could be based upon Ginger, right? Because Ginger was the first of the penis monster things. And, uh, or, I'm sorry, dick monster. Uh, and they made that one to be a female. And then they made Fred after they made Ginger. So that way they could mate the two and possibly propagate uh, the species of whatever the fuck those things actually are. So maybe with this, it was the same thing, right? They decided, okay, we're going to specifically make it female uh, so that later on we're going to make something male. Fast forward to after they've agreed that they're going to let the thing live for a little bit longer, uh, we go and we have a scene between Clive and his brother. And his brother is the one that's been watching the uh, little guys in the cage. And he has some kind of important information for him. Hey, estrogen level's been low these days. What? How long? What are you talking about? What do you mean these days? What? You sure? Of course. I did all the tests. Progesterone, testosterone, estradiol. It's on the logs. I'm sorry, I'm a pet. I'm a little worn out. 
okay, I've seen this before. And you know where I've seen this before? In a Michael Crichton fucking book that got turned into a fucking gigantic fucking dinosaur movie called Jurassic Park. You remember that movie? You remember the fucking book when they decided, oh yeah, we're going to splice everything in here to their DNA so that they're only one sex and they can't mate and they can't have fucking babies. And then what happened? They used frog DNA, and the frog DNA allowed them to change their fucking gender, and then all of a sudden, shit went fucking loose. So you're telling me that the estrogen drop in fucking ginger is not going to affect the film in some fucking way? Yeah, I've seen this fucking before, okay? So he just fucking ignores it, because he's too busy trying to figure out what the hell is going on with whatever they call the the other thing, the h 50 whatever non-looking penis monster guy um gal i'm sorry it is a lady and we go back over and we see that elsa is still playing with her and now she's got these like little baby t-rex arms that are there uh and they begin to try to reason with it to feed it and ultimately they're able to but they find out that she really enjoys these little well they say she enjoys sucralose or candy basically uh, well, see, Elsa has these, like, Tic Tacs that she's constantly fucking popping all the damn time. And, uh, the little baby thing, she likes the same thing, like, she was attracted to. So they throw it in the food, and she's actually able to start to eat whatever type of protein mush meal that they're feeding her. Which is fucking disgusting looking. I mean, it kind of looks like baby food, but honestly, would you want to eat that if you're some type of monster and you're filled with different DNA of different fucking animals? And probably a big bunch of those are fucking carnivores, right? So you want a nice fucking medium rare steak put right in front of you, and that's what you should eat. But of course, no, for some reason it craves these candies, and they're able to mix that in the food and then go ahead and feed it, and she eats like normal. Uh, again... You get a better kind of clear shot of whatever the CGI is going on with this thing. And it's, again, not terrible for the time. Though the T-Rex arms do make me laugh quite a bit. <laughs> uh, flash forward from here. And there's a meeting between William and Clive. And they're talking about the future of the company and exactly what they need to do. Elsa couldn't make it? She's at the lab holding things together. She's, um... Not very happy with the new directive issue. It was our facility. We were supposed to have autonomy. I know. And, um, I am sorry. Truth is, if we don't start projecting profits, big profits, soon, Newstead's in serious trouble. We need capitalization if we're going to keep moving forward, which means that phase two is not just an option, it's all we've got. If you guys don't hit a home run at the shareholders' presentation with Ginger and Fred, we might not even have that. We won't let you down. So now we have another little side story that's kind of going on, which is the state of the company, right? So they're dealing with the fact that they're raising this illegal fucking creature uh, at the same time that they've got to come up with some type of solution that's going to make money from the company. And that's going to be derived from Ginger and Fred. So, of course... Elsa, she's more focused on doing what she wants, as well as Clive, to be honest. And he's more focused on doing truly what Elsa wants to do versus what he wants to do. Because you kind of remember in the beginning, he didn't really want to go this far. He just wanted to see that he could do it and then be done with it. But she really wants to see if she can be do it and then create something that she can ultimately control. Or maybe not ultimately control, but just the science nature of watching this thing grow. Because, of course, she's aging really fucking quick. 
In the first month since her birth, the age 50 continues to evolve rapidly. Emergence of arms and the closing seam that bisects her body suggests that she develops like a fetus outside the womb. Early cognitive recognition tests indicate growing intelligence. Still, her mind remains her greatest mystery. And I should also mention before this little scene happens here where they kind of give a time passage type of scene. And I never really know how much time takes in this movie. Like, we know that she's aging really fast, but has she been there for a month, a week, a day, a year? We never really know. I assume this takes place over a couple of weeks, and she just grows really fast within those weeks. But really, before this, there's this weird, creepy scene where Elsa has this box of, like, childhood toys, where she's got a Barbie in there, and then she's got a couple other little things and a picture of her and her mom. And... She closes the box and then the scene goes on to that and the movie continues as as it does. And it's just kind of a weird scene. Uh, And it doesn't make much sense right now. And truly it doesn't make much sense towards we get towards the end of the film. So uh, she's basically starting to teach uh, H50, uh, the the, the ugly monster thing, Trying, well, try not necessarily teaching her things. She's teaching her things like, here you put the bear, and then she's trying to teach her what her name is. But the uh, the little creature there, instead of putting her name into the thing, pointing it out, and she changed the letters to spell nerd. So she has some type of like cognitive recognition of things, right? So she's able to put the bear where the bear is supposed to go, and then she's able to identify Elsa... Uh, by the words that are on her t-shirt, not necessarily her name. Of course, the little thing could just be a little bitch right now and not really want to know mom's name because that's not her real mommy, okay? She was made in a test tube. She doesn't have a fucking mom. Uh, Anyway, I digress. So Clive comes in and he sees that Elsa is now playing with uh, whatever the hell it... What? Does she even really have a name? And in fact... Elsa does give her one. She did it. What's going on? She can associate. Why is the cover off her tail? What is she doing in this room? You can't let her out. What's the problem? What's the problem? Specimens need to be contained. Don't call her that. What do you want me to call her? Dren. And do you know what Dren is? Well, I'll give you a second to think about it. It's really simple. I kind of said it earlier. Yes, Dren. Dren is nerd spelled backwards. That's how she decided what her name was. Oh, Jesus Christ. You could have named her anything in the world. She just looks down. It, it's like it's like that stupid scene in Family Guy from like way back in like season one when he's inside the damn uh mental hospital and he's like and they're like what's your name is a uh 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 p uh tear griffin that's right peter griffin oh crap you know that's exactly the same thing that's going on here and that's probably a different season than the first season so i, I don't need any other hate mail for for that fucking thing but anyway but that's what it's like she looks on the ground she sees nerd spelled backwards and she goes oh her name is Dren, because that ties her science back to whatever she's created. So now is she treating this thing more like a child, or is she treating it like 
an animal, like a pet, like a dog or a cat that you have. Like you're trying to teach your cat tricks, right? So you have that stupid little fucking bell, and every time you ring the bell, the cat doesn't give a shit what you do. Okay, and then the dog comes over and steals the cat treat that you're trying to give the cat because you're trying to make the cat... Okay, sorry. Just had a bad training session tonight. I'm going to get that cat one of these days. Anyway, so... They're arguing, right? And uh, Clive's brother, he comes over and he's like the master of unlocking like fucking Jill Valentine over here. And he's able to bust into where they're at, even though it's a locked area. And it's very, very fucking simple, too. He just takes a screwdriver and pops the fucking thing out after he presses the button to turn the lights on. This is like the worst fucking security system in the world if anybody can just bust through in there. And so while they're arguing, uh, Dren, as she's now known, uh, goes off and hides and stalks upon uh, Clive's brother and actually jumps on top of him, interrupts their conversation, and now she's known to him uh, as well, well, just the three of them, you know, right there and then. Also, I should state the main reason that they were arguing is because they're going to be losing the space that they're hiding her in right now because they weren't able to keep her in the lab. They put her into another side space, so hopefully she would grow and nobody would find her, and here they are. Now people are finding her and... Of course, the guy, Bill, he's going to be taking over more and more of the lab. So once Clive's brother has found out their secret location there, they decide they've got to move him downstairs, or, well, Dren downstairs, and of course are arguing all the way down there. So I feel like a criminal. Scientists push boundaries. It's the important ones do. Yeah, sticking to a few rules isn't always such a bad idea either, you know? Nobody is going to care about a few rules after they see what we've made. See what we've made? Is that what you just said? Yeah. Nobody can see what we made. Once they see Ginger and Fred, don't you think the world's going to want to know what's next? Do you think they could really look at this face and see anything less than a miracle? Okay, she's holding it like a little kid. So now all of a sudden she's getting like the motherly instinct in here because she's created it inside of a test tube and now she's forming a bond with it. And it's weird because at this point... Clive is really not, he's still seeing it as kind of a science experiment, and she seems to be more drifting towards, like, the humanized kid aspect. I I just have no idea what the fuck is going on here. And, of course, to quell everything down, Clive's got to go talk with his brother. I know it's crazy, but I need your support on this. Do you know what happens if you get caught? What am I supposed to do if you go to jail? But you know what happens to this place to everyone who depends on you? Did you ever think about them? About me? Did you think at all, or you just do what she wanted? It wasn't like that. You could have stopped it at any time. You could have just said no to her. Try it sometime. Okay, so this is a scene that I really don't know should happen or not. Okay, he got caught. I get it. Have that. But it just seems like there's something lying in the back there. Like he's given up everything to be with Elsa and he's given up his family or some type of bullfucking shit. Like he never backs down from anything that she wants to do. I I just don't know. Why does this need to be in here? This just seems like it's so superfluous, right? 
it's a scene that maybe adds a little tension between him and his brother for something that does happen kind of later on in the film, but I don't think it's worth it at all. I think they could have just had a conversation and him trying to convince him, hey, don't say shit about the fact that I've made this fucking mutant monster thing from somebody's DNA and everything that we made with a fucking dick monsters. You know, like, handle me with this. But, of course, there's some type of animosity between him and Elsa that we never really understand later on. And, of course, it's not just Elsa because he does say that everybody that works there could get in fucking trouble. So, when they move her to this new location, all of a sudden they find out that she is gaining a really high fever. Uh, And... Elsa freaks the fuck out and wants Clive to figure out what the fuck is going on. And of course, he just can't figure it out. He looks everywhere and then he sees a body of water and he takes her and is fighting off Elsa and just fucking drowns her in the goddamn water. But it turns out that water is actually good for Dren. She's breathing. Were tumors. She has amphibious lungs. You saved her. And how did you know? You did know, right? Yeah. Anyway, we can't mess around anymore. We have to clean this place up, make it safe. Yeah, I um, I didn't know those were like gill-like lungs. She has an aqua lung, right? Yeah, I totally knew. You know why I knew, too? Because I paid fucking attention when we were looking at the goddamn stump and not just going from, like, some type of engaged scientist to a worry-word fucking mom in, like, ten minutes. She seriously just freaks the fuck out and doesn't do anything and forces him to do everything. I think, honestly, he really was trying to kill the stupid thing to maybe be like, okay, well, let's just put her out of her misery. And then the unfortunate side effect is, oh, hey, she's got gill lungs she can breathe under fucking water and the look on his face is so ridiculous when she's like you knew that right he's like yeah yeah totally Mm mm-hmm totally not lying at all uh and it's just it's fucking infuriating to be honest because this is supposed to take some type of tension between them but not really. And then they end up sitting down after she's now resting in the water. Uh, and they realize, well, Clive realizes that, hey, we haven't had sex in a long time. And she makes a little joke about, oh, I guess this is what happens when, and he like, thinks she's leading on to, oh, when people uh, have kids. You know, when people are working a lot and working really hard. And so they have decide to have sex, like, right there and then. And it's the most awkward thing ever. If you think a history of violence, when Viggo Mortensen starts fucking his wife in the stairs, you think that was fucking awkward? This is even worse. And this is two people that weren't arguing before and trying to push the other off and basically kind of get raped. Uh, but no, it's really, they don't even take off their clothes. In fact, she's wearing pants. She's wearing pants and all she does is unzip him. She unzips him and manages to have sex with him. I don't think they're having sex. I think she's just dry humping him and he's going to splooge all over himself and all over her jeans. That's it. 
There's no sex. There can't be any sex going on because she still has her goddamn pants on. She wasn't wearing a dress. She wasn't wearing a skirt. And be goddamned if I forgot, but I know for a fact that she was wearing goddamn pants and they showed her from behind for a second and she doesn't even have them fucking off. So what is... Does she have a D-door? Because, you know, he has a D-door there, so he's able to zip it down, stick it out the D-door, and stick it out the front of the pants. But her? Does she have magical fucking jeans where she's got an unzipping portion between the taint and the front of the vagina? Come on. How do you have sex? Not saying how do you have sex with your clothes on, but how do you have sex with your jeans on? Or your pants of your pantsuit, or whatever the fuck it is, but you did not... Take that shit off. I could totally understand if you took the pants off, but you had the panties on because you could slide the panties to the side. You can't even do that. You're basically trying to stick your dick through zipper and th- on both sides, and that is going to eventually give you a very, very uncomfortably raw dick. And nobody likes that. Nobody at all. And of course, in the background, Dren is watching them because... What scars a kid for life by watching mom and dad fuck? I mean, come on. Everybody's done it once, twice, 17 times. But you've done it before, right? On accident, on purpose, with a video camera so that you could make money on you. Uh, Never mind. Uh, So here we have this like extremely awkward sex scene between two people that supposedly love each other. So, from here in our awkward sex scene, we go over to the big reveal that their boss, Joan, was going to have in displaying Fred and Ginger. Here is a couple unlike any other we've seen before. That they are completely unique in the world is more than just fate, more than just luck. It is by design. Now let me present to you the minds behind the design. Splice Masters Extraordinaire, Clyde Nicoli and Elsa Kast. Thank you. Thank you very much. Well, there's been a lot of talk tonight about advancements in uh, multi-species morphogens. We've talked about our new protein-based compounds, uh, disease-fighting agents for livestock. And that's all very exciting for everyone at Newstead. But let's be honest. What's exciting for you people here tonight is to see these two creatures alive and in the flesh. So, now... You guys have to realize this whole time, they've spent most of their time focusing on Dren. So, when they reveal the two creatures and they continue to talk about them, well, Elsa, of course, takes the limelight. And and I want to say something, too, about this scene, because the setting is very strange. Everything is really focused upon what's on stage. Because even when they go to show the whole crowd, there's a giant beam of light. And the only two people that you can recognize are Clive and and Elsa, right? Even if it's from the back. And then when you're looking upon the front, the stage is pretty barren, but the lights are shining so bright upon them and the other parts of the stage, especially where Fred and Ginger are. 
Uh, Fred and Ginger kind of, when they're revealed, they kind of start acting a little weird. And uh, Clive looks over and tells them to remove the barriers in between them. And they continue to talk. And then all of a sudden, instead of the cool little weird flower like mind meldy thing that the two dick monsters did uh, in the beginning of the film instead giant spikes come out of their dick foreheads and then they start mauling the shit out of each other in a very graphic scene of course it's all cg but it is pretty disturbing and pretty bloody and they end up just kind of fucking tearing each other apart which freaks out everybody in the audience and of course uh gets you know uh clive and elsa in trouble with joan when they talk after the meeting well i think we have to agree that this is a setback in in terms of it's a fucking disaster what happened well um it was difficult to examine the remains but uh, it seems that Ginger has undergone certain, uh... Hormonal changes. Hormonal changes. She turned into a male. Okay, you remember when I told you nothing better go fucking wrong? Well, shit went fucking wrong. And you're telling me that they became a male? Huh, I wonder who called that a while ago. That's right, Jurassic fucking Park. Okay, but honestly... Uh, you put two males together in a situation like that, and of course, well, at least with these two males, they beat the living shit out of each other. They're not as like my dumb as my two fucking dogs that just love each other all the goddamn time. Well, one likes the other one more than the other, of course. That's always going to happen. But they don't fucking just maul each other. There's just some weird animal instinct in whatever they've created uh, that just decided that, hey, I've got to dominate and keep control of my area because they're such close spaces and they're also getting the pictures taken this you know of them uh constantly and then that would make anybody fucking nervous i mean when the paparazzi come after me i mean yeah they never do you're right that's a fucking lie so they decide that after this maybe it's best if they take dren out of the situation that they're currently in and it's also at this time they decide to look and say hey how much is left in this film and realize there is still about 40 minutes left of this goddamn film at this point. Like, this is something you would think that would happen, you know, either much earlier on or, you know, kind of towards the end when they realize or at least get closer to wrapping it up, okay? Now is going to start the third act, but really it kind of starts... Well, I guess it kind of starts the third act, but it's it's weird. Uh... I guess you could say this end of the last act is 40 minutes long, but it feels like it just drags on from this point on, even though there's interesting stuff that does happen in the film. So they decide that, hey, they're going to take her out to the farm. What farm, you might ask? Well, it was Elsa's mom's farm, and there's a perfect place to keep her in, uh, locked up and, and away from everybody else that's out there. When they arrive there... Elsa, you know, she wants to force Dren into a situation. Dren wants to leave the house. And, of course, at this time, I should also mention that she's become quite the young woman at this point. And she's probably in her early teens, maybe late teens, uh, and really just wants to escape. And she manages to run away, bust out of a window, and Elsa and Clive go looking for her. Dren! Dren! Yeah, every 
everything's fine. Everything's under control, huh? Is it really under control okay, now? You know what? I need you to calm down. We just need to focus. Unbelievable. This is the disaster everyone warns about. A new species set loose in the world. Don't worry, all right? She's not going to leave us. She just did. Okay. You know what? We're going to find her. She's not going to go far. So, of course, he finds her, well, Elsa and Clive find her chewing on a goddamn rabbit out there. And there's a really kind of creepy, funny smile that she gives because she's happy that she's done something that's instinctually imprinted into her body, which is hunt and find her own goddamn food and not eat that fucking slop that she's been feeding her the whole entire time. So they bring Dren back into the barn, and they both decide to go stay inside of, I guess, her mom's old place. Elsa shows Clive her old room, which is completely barren of anything but just a mattress. And then he says to her, which is really kind of weird, Oh, I thought you said your mom left it like you used to live in there. And she says, yes, she did. So she used to live in this room all fucking claustrophobic and freaking with, like, nothing in it at all. It's just very strange. And again, kind of like backstory that wasn't really explained to us that we're just getting in these little images of what's coming, kind of going on here. It should also be noted that Dren makes friends with a cat. You're kind of thrown off first because you think she's going to kill the cat, but she ends up actually just picking it up, taking it over, and then cuddling with it. And uh, good, she likes it. Such a sad little creature with such a lovely little cat. We then flip over to the next day, and Elsa is trying to feed Dren more food. But of course, she doesn't want it, because she had the taste of meat. Please, honey, not today. Eat your dinner, okay? She doesn't like that stuff. Maybe she wants meat. She doesn't eat meat. I'm sorry, is rabbit considered a vegetable? That was an accident. Okay, do you hear the background music in this? And really, I want to play more, but it was so fucking annoying that I just couldn't do it. And I really didn't realize it until I was actually grabbing the audio for it because I was really not paying attention during a lot of the second half of the movie where I had to go back and forth, back and forth between what was going on. But the song is so simple. She's basically playing like kid songs to her to help her learn. Like, there are 26 letters in the alphabet. There are 26 letters in the alphabet. And then he goes on to be like, A, B. There's an A and there's a B and there's a C and there's a D. There's an E and there's an F and there's a G. You have to understand that uh, I actually had to figure out... (laughs) The not fu- how to not fuck up the alphabet uh, while trying to do that song but it's so like f- fucking ridiculous at the same time that this is the background music that's going on in this scene when she's trying to feed her and uh, she actually just honestly doesn't want to eat that fucking shit anymore so she then uh, again escapes the fuck out of there and manages to go onto the roof they chase her outside and onto the roof where it was revealed that she has fucking wings now. Okay, so she keeps gaining fucking powers as she goes on. She goes from being a little, like, face-hugger type thing to the no-arms T-Rex to the arms T-Rex to now this thing that can fucking fly and is basically a full-grown woman or teenager, I guess, at this point in the film. Uh, We cut over, and then there's a stupid little short scene uh, where... 
you know, he's basically lying for Elsa while Elsa's home taking care of Dren. He's at the lab doing the stuff that she should be doing as well, which is trying to synthesize the protein from the now dead bodies of Fred and Ginger. Back over at home, there's another weird situation where there is like the mother-daughter bonding moment between Elsa and Dren. My mother wouldn't let me wear makeup. She said that it debased women. Who doesn't want to be debased every once in a while? Look. You see how pretty you've become? <laughs> Gonna have to learn how to be a grown-up. I remember how I felt at your age. It's an exciting time. I never thought it would. We could use some uh, more eyeliner. So this is, again, another weird situation. And she kind of relays it back to her mom. And it really kind of comes down to how she views herself in the eyes of being a mother, honestly, with Dren at this point. Right? She almost slips that she says she never thought she would be a... And then she's like, no, 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 put some more makeup on you. And she's trying to make up for the things that she didn't have as a uh, young kid, right? She didn't have a nice place to stay, let's say. You know, kind of trapped minimalistly uh, in her room and had to hide a lot of the stuff in the box. Her mom wouldn't give her the Barbies. Her mom wouldn't let her put on makeup. Uh, And she's kind of telling her, well, you know, when you became an adult or when you become an adult, this is like the freedom that you have, right? All of a sudden you're free from whatever. And she's just trying to show her the better things in life. But yet at the same time, She's talking about kind of those type of freedoms, but not giving her her own freedom. She's keeping her trapped inside this damn farm. She's kept her trapped inside of a basement, forced her to eat whatever they wanted her to eat, not what she wanted to eat as part of an animal, right, and human at the same time. So it's a weird you know, juxtaposition of the two type of things, the, the life that she never had as a child that she wants to give Dren kind of now officially viewing her like a child and then the uh, overbearingness of being a scientist and not wanting this to be found out by the rest of the world. So it's kind of weird that they've got this thing going on and it's even weirder when she goes through the drawer to go get some more makeup and she finds that there's a bunch of drawings of Clyde that Ren has done. Or Dren, I should say, not Ren from Ren and Stimpy. Uh, And so... She gets upset and jealous that there are no drawings of her. And so when Dren runs away with the images and she goes and finds her, she sees that there's the cat there. So out of pure jealousy, she steals the cat from her, uh, well, takes it away, says that sometimes you need to understand as an adult, you don't always get everything that you want. Which is a fucked up thing because she's really just jealous of the fact that she's kind of bonding more with Clive, even though Clive is not really there to take care of her and those things, uh, and not necessarily with Elsa. So it's, and, and that is, I don't want to say that that can happen in some relationships, right? 
where maybe the mom is a stay-at-home mom, but the kids always pine for dad whenever dad's coming home because they don't see him as often as they see mom. And that could be the situation that's kind of going on here with Dren and Elsa. Uh, Clive comes back from working the long hours over there at the, the lab, sees that Elsa's asleep on her childhood bed with the cat, and decides to go and hang out a little bit with Dren. Uh, they, he turns on some music and he happens to be the most white guy dancer that there ever fucking was. You know, the stereotype of white people that dance. Well, this is this, uh, Adrian Brody. He is the master of the awkward dance until Dren starts dancing alongside of him. And she officially is the awkwardest dancer in the fucking movie. Uh, then he shows her how to basically like ballroom dance with the music that they're playing. And there's some weird like attraction between the two. Of them. Oh, God. Oh, okay. It's not that bad right now. Sorry. Memories. Oh, so he runs away because he has like a revelation. Uh, and he also has a weird attraction towards her that he honestly doesn't really want. So when he goes back, uh, Elsa wakes up the morning and he confronts her about something that he knows she's done. I must've slept like a rock. What? It's your DNA. What? In Dren. I can tell. You put yourself into the experiment? How could you? <laughs> what, what were you? I mean, was this ever about science? Of course it was. It still is. If you really believe that, you're even more fucked up than I think you are. Uh, what, what is that supposed to mean? Maybe you ought to take another look at your family history. Okay, again, we don't know a whole lot about our family history. All we have is what we've pieced together in the fucking film, and there really was no exposition that told you a little more or took you back to when she was a child in interactions with her mom. All we got is fucking box full of toys, empty fucking room, and the fact that her mom thinks that makeup makes people into fucking whores. That's it. That's what we've got. But of course, and we have the fact that she doesn't really want to have kids right now or if at all but now she's created this thing in dren that is both her experiment and her kid it's like her experiment of being a mother is exactly what you have going on right here so clive leaves and elsa starts to think about it and she realizes that she's been kind of a bitch so she goes back over to dren and brings her back the cat and tells her look you can have the cat i'm being a bitch and i'm kind of treating you more like my mom treated me when i was young that's what i assume i could be totally wrong with it but it's kind of what maybe what she's thinking of is that she doesn't really want to be like her mom was and she feels like doing that whatever she did with the cat is now bringing her closer to what her mom was as a mother but again we really have no insight into it and that's a fucking pet peeve of mine throughout this fucking movie so dren at this point though she looks at her she takes out her stinger and she stabs the shit out of the cat and kills it there isn't the violent scene as we saw with the penis or the dick monsters i should say uh 
but there's still, you know, you still see the cat kind of get stabbed in the neck, uh, and she's kind of happy about it, uh, because she thinks, I don't know, really, maybe she has the upper hand on her in something? Uh, who knows? We'll find out probably in a little while. This, of course, also pisses Elsa off to the point that, well, she actually gets attacked by Dren, and she's able to get her off of her, uh, and then when Dren is trying to leave, she knocks her the fuck out, and then ties her to a goddamn table. She then proceeds to strip her fucking bear, where you see the weirdest fucking nipples in the world, okay? Uh, it's weird. Uh... You know, it's an alien-human hybrid thing, but it still has fucking titties. Uh, so you're like, it's got boobs, but it's got a tail that can sting and kill you. Ooh, do I take my chances with it? Would you get with that? Honestly, would you? I don't know. Do you think the risk of death is worth uh, getting it on with some kind of attractive from the neck down uh, spliced up monster thing? Um... You mean, you could put a bag over Dren's head and you'd probably be okay. At the same time, too, how old is she supposed to be at this scene? They say that she's becoming a young adult, but is that young adult, like, 18 plus? Is she supposed to be younger than that? Where is she supposed to be? I really don't know, and honestly, I don't want to think about that either. But the moral of the story is here, she has weird fucking nipples. I mean, she's got small boobs, weird fucking nipples. So Elsa then proceeds to remove those poisonous glands as well as the stinger in her tail. And after she's finished doing that, Clive shows up and gets pretty upset. What are you doing? What I had to. Jesus Christ. Elsa. She's become unstable. She killed the cat. She almost killed me. So you cut off her tail? Any closer to finding the protein? What does that have to do with anything? You haven't because you're working with tissue that's been dead too long. You don't know that she has. Of course she does. She has everything Ginger and Fred had and more. Where are you going? I'm going to solve this thing. I'm going to put things right. So she goes from being... Uh, motherly figure to being pissed off scientist lady and maybe realizing that this thing is just a monster and there's nothing more we can do but actually do what we set out to do originally uh, before everybody gets in fucking trouble. So she goes off and uh, goes to the lab to start creating the protein. Uh, We get weird scenes, you know, Clive pulls her off the bed, uh, Dren kind of looks at him like, no, I'm ugly now. Don't look at me. I don't have my little stinger tail anymore. Uh, and then he kind of wraps her up, leaves her there to sleep, and then he goes back to the house. And there's another scene where he's like watching video cameras and drinking scotch or whiskey or whatever the fuck he's drinking. And again, kind of lusting after Dren, like looking her in the pole as she's swimming and looking at her naked body reaching out for the screen and then Dren's hand reaches out and they like almost like touch there and then he kind of snaps back to reality and we go over to the lab where William is there he's about to go into work and he runs into Elsa Bill, you're early let me get this straight you stay home because you're sick and now I find you sneaking around while no one's here 
account for lost time? Well, it's too late for that. But they won't extend the deadline. It's over. You, you screwed us all. In fact, while you're here, why don't you clear out Clive's desk? I don't think so. Well, no one cares what you think anymore. You're an embarrassment to this company. It's going to take us years to... The protein's to... been synthesized. It's in the fridge. When some real scientists get here, come take a look. And now we go back over to the barn, and freaking Clive walks in there, and then we get... Uh, we get that scene of the movie. Now, if you've seen this before, you know exactly what I'm talking about. The scene that maybe maybe most guys have thought about before. And I did pose the question earlier. Would you fuck a hot monster? And Clive's answer is yes. She kisses him first. He pushes her away. No, we can't do it. There's no way. We shouldn't. It's wrong. You're a weird thing formed from a penis monster and a human. And, uh... But there's that weirdness behind it that she shares DNA with Elsa. So, if we were going to have sex, it's like having sex with Elsa, right? And she kisses him again. Well, they get closer, they kiss, and then all of a sudden, yeah, they start getting down to business. And what's weird about this one is that it's, it's honestly a lot hotter than the last one right because there's lust and want involved it's not like she was just kind of like oh okay i'll just have sex with you and it's very awkward the scene between elsa and clive and i have to watch two sex scenes with fucking adrian brody and the second one he takes off almost all his clothes and you gotta see his ass i don't want to see his fucking ass and i don't want him seeing fucking his basically his stepdaughter right i mean that means he's Woody fucking Allening it, isn't he? He's just fucking his stepdaughter. And guess what? Gets caught by Elsa. She comes in, she drives off, he runs after her without his shirt on in the middle of the snow, and then travels all the way back to their apartment because that's where she went back to. And of course, they have the confrontation. I, really, I don't even quite know what happened. I was barely. I don't even know who you are anymore. You've become something sick. Forget about what it means to me. There are some things you do not do. We change the rules. You're not talking your way out of this. Crossed the line. Things got confused. Confused about what? Right and wrong. Right and wrong. Do you have any idea how naive that sounds? You're in no position to talk to me about right and wrong. And you are? Really? Why the fuck did you want to make her in the first place? Huh? For the betterment of mankind? You never wanted a normal child. You were afraid of losing control. But an experiment. That's something else. I love her. I know, but we fucked up, hell. We fucked up. 
we've chained her up, we've locked her away from the world, maimed her. I maimed her. So what you're really trying to say to her, Clive, is let go, let go. Oh, okay. I can't fucking do that full fucking shit. I was going to try to go through this whole fucking episode without making a fucking frozen joke. But honestly, though, here here's the situation. He managed to talk his way out of a fucking, a fucking genetic monster and turn it around on her. He's the greatest fucking man alive. I mean, well, greatest fucking cheater alive, right? He's able to like go and be like, look, you didn't want kids, so you made this thing that was like, you know, your replacement for a kid. And honestly, yeah, it it truly is. But she shouldn't be like, I'm going to give in to you at this point and become that type of woman. She should just said, yeah. But you fucked it. How could you fuck it? It's like your stepdaughter. Why would you even do... Why would you lust after that? Like, yeah, they both had their own different reasons and desires for Dren, right? His was purely a probably... Well, it definitely was a, like I said, lustful uh, and probably an inquisitive one, too. What's it going to be like? Uh, she looks so much like a real woman that it's got to be something similar, right? And she's into me, too, so fuck it. Let's do it. And you know what they always say about cheaters, too? They always go after somebody uglier than the woman that they're with. So I guess Dren fits. Uh, and But at the same time, she is... She has created this thing, this child, right? Putting human DNA. They don't know how it would have turned out. But when it turned more humanoid, all of a sudden she connected it. I created this. Uh, this is a part of me. This is my child that I have here. And she felt like she can control it more because it wasn't a kid and couldn't become independent like she did with her mom, right? Once she broke all away from that... After being supposedly tortured and not being allowed to play with dolls and not being allowed to do the things that she wanted to put makeup on because otherwise she'd be a whore. I mean, this is like a Carrie situation that she's gone through. Except for Elsa doesn't have any type of fucking superpowers and can't light people on fire and maim them and didn't get poured pig blood on top of her. Okay, it's not quite a Carrie situation, but with the mom, it kind of is. Though we don't know if she's religious, we don't know what Elsa's kind of drove her when she was younger instead we only get Elsa's point of view from things and little bits of memory that she has and it kind of sucks but that she's so easily convinced that this is all her fault at the same time he does say we fucked up he does do that but to be able to turn it so much and get her to be so much more upset about the situation after you fucked the creation that both of you made for that just to go out of the fucking window and it be it. And let's let bygones be bygones. So, after this weird intervention, uh, they go back to the farm to find Dren, and Dren is not doing very well. Uh, she's basically dying, and she kind of does, uh, to the point where they bury her behind the barn. 
after they bury her and they start burning all the evidence that she even existed, uh, we get to see William pull up with Clive's brother. And, of course, he wants to see where Dren is. Gavin, what are you doing here? Sorry, I had to. It's the only way. All right. Let's see it. What did you tell him? I didn't have to tell him much. Think I'm stupid? The samples you gave me had human DNA content. They didn't come from Ginger and Fred. They came from something else. Something that's still alive. I think you did this on my watch. Now, let's see this thing. It doesn't belong to you. It doesn't belong to anyone. And where is it? Well... In the background, on the ground, we actually see dirt kind of shaking and rising up like she's Superman at the end of Batman vs. Superman, but nobody told her that Martha was still alive. Uh, I should also mention, which is, it's not necessarily important, but it's kind of important to the character, before they start burning everything, she did find images that Dren had drew of her, see, that Elsa had thought that Dren had only drawn images of Clive, but come to find out she'd actually draw images of her as well and she ended up burning them because now she's no longer there so there's that weird separation where she truly did have a feeling for her whether elsa you know she said she really loves dren but we never know if dren really loved elsa uh and this kind of shows that but not really it could just be an association type of thing uh so of course, when he wants to see it, the sounds come, and then out of the middle of nowhere, swoops down Dren, grabs Will, and kills him, leaving him in a tree. She then comes back for Clive's brother, and Clive goes running after him, and Elsa, following him, tries to convince him, hey, we need to get the fuck out of here. Clive! 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 Look, he's gone. He's gone. No, look. We can't stay here, okay? It's out there. What happened? Ginger. It's the same thing that happened with friend Ginger. Okay, now let's go. I'm not leaving my brother. No, no. He's dead, okay? He's already dead. I'm not leaving my brother. Let's go. Okay, so what you don't know here is that Dren has transformed Jurassic Park style once again into a male. He did not, or, well, at this point, it's he, he, but when he was she-dren, she did not die. She went to that cocoonal state again and became he-dren, right? Kind of like he-man, but without the fucking muscles. And what's kind of cool about this is that it is the same actress playing the male version as the female version as well. And I didn't know about this until reading one of the articles when I was trying to figure more out about Elsa's backstory. So like an idiot, Clive drops his flashlight into the water. He's able to almost get it. And then Dren comes and attacks him uh, and knocks him out for at least momentarily. Then runs, or I should say flies, after Elsa who fucking ditches uh, poor Clive's body where it is to try to save her own hide. She's end up knocked onto the ground and then, then this happens. Inside. 
okay, what that that voice that voice right there is so ridiculous that they could have done it in a different way. It sounds like fucking E.T., okay? Uh, you know, it's E.T. Go home. You know, it's, it's Elliot. That's basically what it could fucking be. But then he, he he's basically going to rape her. So, female Dren got together with both, uh... Clive, and now she's Maldren getting together with Elsa. One forcibly, one not, right? This is kind of a weird juxtaposition of the two characters, too, because as a female, she's got lust, but it's a lust in where it's an agreeable one, right? Where, you know, one of the people that I've listened to a long time to uh, has always said that when it comes to men... It's man first, everything else second, right? So a woman comes on to you, you don't necessarily think about the fact that... I'm not saying that male rape doesn't exist, okay? Don't get this fucking twisted in any way, fucking shape, or form. But if you really lust after somebody, or somebody gives you the opportunity and you're into it, you're not necessarily inebriated, um, you could, you'll go ahead and just fucking do it, right? So here it is crazy creeper alien thing or monster thing is lusting after you you have something some type of lust and so you'll go with it whereas with the male thing she doesn't want anything to do with him but he wants to fuck the shit out of her and so it just becomes rape and it i don't know why it needs to be like that and the other thing i had running through my mind was okay so clive had sex with female dren right uh, and I thought, and it has to be because he gets interrupted. There's no way that he could have nutted into her, right? Because originally I thought he jizzed into her. Then she became a man. Okay, so I guess having sex with Adrian Brody uh, turns you into a man if you're a woman. So I guess if you're a woman wanting to be a man, you should go have sex with Adrian Brody and then he'll turn you into a woman. Uh, but... I thought that maybe he had finished, right? But he couldn't have. Because if he had finished, then all of a sudden his DNA goes into Dren, who now has male DNA, uh, and maybe the sperm that he has inside of him that he's using, it's actually Clive's. But of course, he got interrupted, so he didn't finish. He, he was, you know, he wasn't a two-pump chump that just, you know, pump, pump, give, and then uh, she was there. And maybe she would have become pregnant right away. Who knows? So instead, he basically is raping her. And then he gets interrupted too uh, by Clive stabbing the crap out of him with a stick. Uh, coming back from being knocked out. And then he turns around uh, and attacks Clive and knocks him over. And before he can do the finishing blow to him... He gets knocked to the side by Elsa. Elsa raises a giant rock over her head and is going to smash the fuck out of Dren. And of course, she hesitates because she doesn't want to kill her kid, uh, right? And then all of a sudden, he kills Clive and then she kills him. From here, we go back over to the offices. Uh, it time, More time has passed. Uh, and because of what she was able to create, Joan is talking to her and is giving her an offer uh, for the, the patents, I guess, that she now has. Your dren turned out to be a cauldron of unimaginable chemical mysteries. 
Aside from the intense concentration of CD356 in her system, she was filled with a variety of completely unique compounds. We'll be filing patterns for years. Of course, we are extremely excited that you're willing to take us to the next stage. Especially in light of the personal risk. So what personal risk, you might ask, is there? <sighs> Remember when I talked about Clive and Dren? And then I said the same thing about Dren and Elsa, that he got interrupted. He had to have been. Uh, well, it turns out she stands up. She's pregnant. Who's she pregnant by? Fuck if I know. Uh, it could be Clive. Maybe she was pregnant with Clive back in the day. Uh, you know, when they had sex that one time when she was a little girl. But we don't know how much time actually had passed in between there. So maybe it is his kid. Or did Dren have enough time to climax and uh, plant his seed inside of her and so now and that's what's kind of implied is that she was impregnated by her own creation which became male and now she's carrying whatever the new monster in her belly to term i just uh, it's horrible okay and why she would want to keep it because now she's actually going through it and she's just going through it for the signs of things I don't know, it's not really explained, and it's kind of just feels like it's hastily put together, like, oh, we had this really cool ending uh, that was interesting that she now had the baby, and uh, she was going to produce the monster, and now we had to lead up to this point. And I just, ugh. So, right before the end of the film, Joan just tell her that she did have a choice she doesn't necessarily have to go through with this and she could kill the kid but of course she doesn't want to take that route the movie then fades to black and we get the ending of our film nobody would blame you if you didn't do this you could just put an end to it and walk away what's the worst that could happen splice and i really think the ending just fucking sucks okay 
the fact that she gets raped and that she's having a kid of her own. So now it's like incest fun because that's her daughter or she's basically like fucking herself, right? So she's having her own baby because her DNA was put into Dren, who became a dude who could put her DNA back into her. So she's having her own kid again. And... Or was it really Clive's? Can we infer that the fact that they had sex that one time, it was uh, unprotected? Unless, of course, it was just penis to gene and nothing fucking else. Uh, But he didn't wear a fucking condom during that time, so he probably splooged inside of her. So she could have been pregnant for a while. Not necessarily by Clive, and maybe she's just faking it to get the fucking money, because Clive is fucking dead, and so is his brother, and so is Will. Uh... And Joan's totally full, cool and fucking casual with it. The fact that uh, everybody died and now you're pregnant by a monster and we're just going to use the fucking monster DNA that's going to be used for the millions of years to come. So what really more is there to say about this film? See, I found an article from uh, bitchflix.com and I was just trying to get more information, like I said, on her backstory. Because this is the weakest part of this film. I really would have liked to know more about what Elsa went through as a kid. And a lot of it has to come from this ideal is that the mom was just kind of overtly feminist. And she impressed a lot of her feminist ideals upon Elsa. Uh, the fact that she didn't want her to wear makeup. And she made her live kind of... Well, not the living situation, but the fact... That there isn't the Barbie there, and uh, the fact that she had to hide some of the more girly girl things that would be put upon a girl in a society, and she grew up doing something more like science. But then on the flip side, like I had said before, she everything that was considered that she that was taboo for her with her mom, which gave it to Ren or Dren, um, she all of a sudden that was like taboo, not necessarily taboo, but that made Dren feel horrible, right? Because she couldn't be those things. She couldn't be the Barbie doll because here she is. She's not really a woman. She's a weird thing. Can't really talk. And the makeup thing, and she wanted to go after Clive and not quite doing it. It's at least she should have given her fucking wig. Right. But honestly, it, a lot of the ideas that came from that and the feminist ideals and everything putting upon it, I can kind of see and I can kind of understand. What I didn't like about the article is when they said uh, that when Dren became a he, uh, that he was very scary. And, and I do agree at that point. That's like, like I said, with the whole lusting thing, when it was a, uh, her as a girl and wanting to have sex with uh, Clive, it was all about lust uh and the need for a man right but when she went and, and he was totally cool with it he totally went along with it even though he knew it was kind of weird and he shouldn't do it but then when he turned into a she turned into a he it's all about rape and forcing himself upon her and i it's fucking bullshit i just don't like that like why does he have to become a monster when he becomes the man he was still the monster when he was when it was a she right when she changed but what i didn't like the article did is that she said that or whoever the article person is here talked about how it was mean against transgendered people and i don't even fucking see that because one this is a fucking genetic monster that can change its sex it's not identifying uh in the way that a transgendered person identifies themselves as the opposite sex it literally is becoming just like in jurassic fucking park 
uh, is becoming a female or a male permanently. It's changing its sex. It's not choosing uh, or or identifying itself. Choosing is the wrong word, but identifying itself as a woman or a man or whatever. It physically is becoming that along with everything that that sex can do. And it's it's an interesting play on it, right? It's an interesting that they would go with that type of route. And there are good ideas in the movie. It just falls fucking short on some of the major things that would make it a much more understandable movie. And maybe I got some of those things right. Maybe I totally missed the fucking mark. And maybe what this article from uh, the site is doing, maybe they're completely right. And everything that they say in it is right. But who the fuck knows? You need more fucking information, okay? They really missed the ball with trying to talk about her mother and her past life. I understand there was supposed to be a comparison between her as a mother with Dren and what her mother did with her when she was young. She's trying not to do all the same mistakes that her mom did or all the negative things that her mom did. But ultimately kind of became the way or treated her in those ways that her mom treated her. Because shit rolls downhill and it goes from your mom to you to your child. Uh, And your parents do influence the way that you raise your kids. It's just one of the thoughts that personally I have, right? You know, you're never... You've never been a parent. Your parents were never parents. Their parents before that were never parents until they had kids. And that's what's kind of going on here. And and she felt like she could create something that would be uh, a, a version of a kid, but she could control it because it was an experiment and it wasn't necessarily a real kid because we grew this in a lab, not grown in my belly. So let's go to the ratings. Overall, uh, the gore in this film, it's a two out of five. It's really the dick monster fight. Uh, that had that, and there's a little bit uh, here and there, you know, you you see what happens to poor Dren. It's probably more of the brutal things. You see uh, William hanging up in a tree. It's not really that bad. Uh, and then even when uh, Clive dies, he dies in a very cheap-ass way. It's okay. You know, he just gets stung, like getting stung by a scorpion. It's kind of shitty. So, Two out of five is about right, because that scene with the penis monsters is actually pretty bloody. Uh, Crap Factor. This is a three out of five. Adrian Brody actually gives a really good performance in his role as Clive. Uh, And I like the way Joan handled herself in there. William, the guy that plays him, speaks really fast most of the time. But Sarah Polly is really shitty in this movie. She's kind of one note, doesn't really change much, uh until really towards the end of the film she gets a little bit of emotion but for the most part it's fast delivered lines and they're delivered pretty shittily uh the fun factor in this film it's a two out of five it's it's boring during most of it i mean it was hard for me to keep my attention it viewing it the second time though and knowing that it was her dna inside of Dren uh, and being used for it changed a lot of things and made me think more about of the mother-daughter relationship that I did the first time. Uh, so 
it does make a little bit of a difference, but it's still not a very fun movie. It's just kind of slow moving. It's not scary at all. Uh, a lot of sci-fi jargon and all that fucking jazz. So overall, what do I give this? I give this two out of five dick monsters. Uh, I was going to think maybe I should change it and give it more because when I started thinking about some things uh, in regard to the article I read, uh, in regards to the mother-daughter relationship, uh, and what you know when seeing it at a second time, and it kind of does change some of the meanings of the film, uh, at least upon first viewing, you know, it's not necessarily for me and it might not be for you. It is available up on YouTube. You can actually find it, uh, on a channel for free, uh, if you really search YouTube really well. Uh, but it is available to rent there. And if you really want to see it, that's the way that I would go. That's the way that I saw it again. Um, and I would definitely say give it a shot. If you're bored within the first 30 minutes of the film, you're not going to make it through the end. Um, it's just, it's an hour and 43 minutes, and it really could have been more like an hour and a half or even shorter than that. Hour and 43 minutes felt like it was like two and a half hours. And uh, for those of that you don't know the process that I use... Uh, when I watch the movie the first time, I take a lot of notes, and usually it takes me for an hour and a half movie, it takes me about two hours. It took me almost three to finish this film, because I really had to keep stopping and just, I can't believe, I need to do something else for a second, then come back to it, and then I need to do something else for a second, and come back to it. So, watch at your own risk. Um, again, for Adrian Brody, I think he did a pretty good job in this movie. Actually, I think he did a good job in this movie and it's worth watching his performance. Uh, and then like I said, CG is okay for the time. Uh, it does feel a little more superimposed maybe back in 2009, it would look better. Now it's a little more seamless, uh, in what they do with everything. So, and then the creature models fucking suck. I, I can't, can't get on top of those creature models at all. Uh, even the way adult and children look, even though it's kind of cool, the way that they made her walk, whether that was actually enhanced or not, I don't know. Uh, but both of them walked with kind of like a bent leg. Uh, it could have been stilts or something else, uh, in practical costume, or it could have just been CG laid over it. Fuck if I know. So what are we doing for the next film? Now that sci-fi month is officially over. That's that's it. We're done with doing sci-fi movies right now. And we have a couple more theme months uh, kind of lined up uh, for you. For July of Season 2 is going to be uh, versus movies. And which versus movies are we going to do? Well, let's go ahead and start with a classic. And we've already talked about one film from each of this franchise. Why, just listen to the trailer. Seven days ago, one of my satellites over Antarctica discovered a pyramid. Where exactly on the ice is this? It's not on the ice. It's 2,000 feet under it. Let's make history. Oh, my God. Whoever built this pyramid believed in ritual sacrifice. Did you hear that? What's going on? Let's go!
What did you say this room was called? Sacrificial chamber. Is all here. This whole thing was a trap. They're not hunting us. We're in the middle of a war. They're using us as bait. You ugly son of a. That's right, we're going to do Aliens vs. Predator, AVP, for the first episode of Versus Month here in July. So, uh, that episode will be released two weeks after the episode that has been released here, or if you're listening to this sometime in the distant future, it's the next episode on the list of fucking podcasts that you can look up. So, as always, you can always follow the podcast on Twitter, at T underscore T underscore podcast. You can uh, send... Uh, different movie suggestions, emails, whatever you want to me, terribleterrorpodcast at gmail.com. You can go to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash terribleterrorpodcast, as well as check us out on Instagram at terribleterrorpodcast. Uh, always uh, thank you guys for listening. Really appreciate everything you do. Please rate and review us on sites like iTunes and Spreaker and Stitcher. It helps the podcast be seen uh, and I would also really appreciate you, you know, giving me a shout out somewhere, somehow. Um, and that is going to be it for a splice episode. So don't forget to watch, uh, aliens versus predator, or should I say AVP aliens versus predator? Some people know it. The great Paul W S Anderson fucking married to Mila Jehovovich classic, uh, where we get to see Lance Henriksen back on the podcast again. So, uh, and, uh, just a hint, um, there might be something special about the episode. So give it a listen, uh, and we'll be back in two weeks. Thanks for listening. Talk to you guys later. Every day we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you're ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.